This morning's scripture passage is taken from Matthew, chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Nate. Lord Jesus, we ask you to um, receive our worship. Thank you for being a God who is near and present when we need you. We desire nothing more than uh, to come into your presence. And so we pray, what we are not, would you make us? What we know not, would you teach us? And be all things to us, Lord. Cause us to love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And please help me now in handling your word to that end. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. The passage of scripture that Nate just read is part of a continuing conversation that we've heard. So we have to catch ourselves up on where we are, and we have been listening to the words of Jesus as we're moving through the Sermon on the Mount, and now we come to this portion on fasting, and so uh, our topic for the day is fasting. Um, Jesus introduces it to us and says, when you fast, and that's really the key word or the key phrase for us, and this might be easy for us to ignore. Uh, we probably don't hear too many sermons about fasting or um, not much talk about fasting. And one of the good things about moving through Scripture is you're going to talk about what the Scripture talks about. And so fasting is laying before us this morning. Um, but we have the teachings of our Lord Jesus. This is Jesus speaking and teaching to his disciples. And yet it's part of a larger point. So I want to go back just for a moment and remind ourselves where we are. So if you have your Bible open, just go back to the very beginning of chapter 6 with me. The very first verse sort of lays out where Jesus is heading. And it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now that introduces this whole section that we're in from verses 1 to 21. So that's the, that's the principle, as it were, but the primary uh, goal that Jesus is talking about is reward. The principle is don't practice your righteousness in such a way that you won't be rewarded by God the Father, but practice your righteousness so that you will be rewarded by God the Father. And so that's the principle, and Jesus uses three examples to illustrate uh, how to live and how not to live by three expressions of the religious life, which is almsgiving, which we've already looked at, giving to the poor. Um, he then talks about prayer, which is what we've spent our time talking about. And then today, the third aspect is 
fasting. And you'll see reward appears in that little section about seven times. At the very end, in the summary statement, uh, he uses a synonym, treasure, to also talk about what he's aiming for. So Jesus is, is a God. I mean, he's telling us about a God who wants to reward us. And Jesus does not want us to practice our religion in a way that we miss the reward. So that, that's the main idea of how to live according to God and, and how not to live. So that's the, the banner idea. So here's the principle. Practice your righteousness so as to be rewarded by the Father. So practice almsgiving in secret. Don't, don't do it to be seen. Uh, secondly, practice your prayer in secret. Don't pray to be noticed by others. And third, practice your fasting in secret. Don't do it in order to impress people. That's the sermon. That's, that's the point of what Jesus is saying. And so now when we, when we think about the topic of fasting, um, we consider, all right, well, what does this then say to us today? Is this really for us? Should we still fast today? Or was that something just for the first century that we shouldn't practice? Uh, was that just for Jesus and his disciples? Or is there something more? And even more basic is, what is fasting? What is it? Uh, how do we know what this is? So we always, I find it helpful to start with the definition. And uh, we first see fasting in the Bible, in the Mosaic Law. And it simply means to go without food uh, for a set time because of a religious duty. We see fasting used outside of the Bible by Homer, who says it, is, it means one who has not eaten or is empty, meaning in stomach. The stomach is empty. And then we also see in the New Testament in Mark that Jesus talks about fasting in a way that tells us the intentional abstention of food for religious grounds is the context in which we see fasting. So that's, that's the meaning of fasting. Fasting means to go without food for a religious or a uh, Godward purpose. Think of it that way. Um, and so that's the context of, of fasting in the Bible. Fasting is not, in this context of what Jesus is talking about, it's, it's not intermittent fasting so you can lose weight. We all know what that is today. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about fasting uh, to cleanse your digestive system. That, that's not the kind of fasting that Jesus is talking about. Uh, he's not, it, it, he is meaning foregoing food for a spiritual purpose or a Godward purpose, meaning there's a spiritual reason behind the physical abstention from food. So where do we see fasting in the Old Testament? It, fasting only occurs one time in the sense of the commandment of God's law, and that is one time a year, on one day a year, the people of Israel to fast. That's all we find in Scripture in the Old Testament. One day a year, and that occurs at the celebration of the Day of Atonement. So the Day of Atonement was the annual day at which a high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and, and sacrifice an animal for the sins of the whole nation. So we see fasting is in the context of forgiveness of sins, of repentance for sins, and, and being sorry for the sins that separate us from God. So the, the one fast that we see in the Old Testament is a sign of repentance of sin, of per, an, an acknowledgement of personal sin and the need for forgiveness. Now, we see fasting has happened as we move forward through the, the Old Testament in various other occasions. For example, uh, we see Moses fasting, when he wanted to focus his attention on God. 
When he was on the mountain with the Lord, he focused and he fasted for 40 days. His, his primary motivation behind that is, I am focused on the Lord. There's no other diversion in my life. I'm focused on God, so food is irrelevant. I'm focusing on the Lord. So fasting for the purpose of undivided attention to the Lord is, is one reason we see fasting happening else. Also, in other places, we see fasting as a sign of humility or contrition over sins. Nehemiah fasts for the sins of his people. Daniel fasts when he's confronted with the sins of his people. We see this in the the Psalms. You can think of Jonah, who went and preached to the people of Nineveh, and when they understood because of their sins that God's judgment was coming, their response was to fast. They they fasted in sackcloth and ashes, and so we see uh, an acknowledgement and a contrition of sin. And also we see in serious situations of danger or in despair or grief, people also fast. So in the, in, when someone dies, for example, or when uh, an approaching army is coming to overtake Israel, a, a citywide fast is proclaimed. We see Esther fasting when she discovers that Haman is intending to kill all of the Jews. She fasts and calls for a fast. And so in desperate situations, we see fasting is appropriate in order to focus the attention on God or to draw near to him in times of, of desperation, despair, grief, or even a sadness and sorrow over our own sins. Now fast forward to the New Testament and remembering that in the Old Testament, fasting was only commanded one time, we see the Pharisees whose zeal for the law uh, caused them to add to the law. They fasted twice a week, we are told. that Pharisees fast twice a week. So not just one time a year, but twice a week as a way of earning God's favor, right? earning his, his blessing and wanting to... Um, to, to, to pre- also, we see there's, there can be unspiritual motivations behind fasting. So this is what prompts Jesus to bring up this notion of fasting. So he's thinking, I want you living so that you can be rewarded by God the Father. So don't give alms to impress people. Don't pray to impress people. And now he says, and fasting, don't fast to be seen. So verse 16, look at verse 16 with me. He says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. There's a couple ways we can, can break this down because he, he talks about their presentation. He talks about the purpose for which they're fasting. And then we might think of the, the prize, if you want an easy way to think about this. Um, the presentation, how do, how do they present when the, the hypocrites are fasting? And he's thinking about the Pharisees. He says they look gloomy, That can also be translated as downcast or sad. Um, They disfigure their faces, which probably means, I mean, literally the word means to make invisible or unrecognizable by causing something to be unattractive, unsightly, or ugly. In other words, they're hiding their faces by putting probably on dust or ashes as as an outward symbol of their desire to... um, to show that they're fasting. So they want people to know this, right? So the, if they're obscuring their face, what they're actually doing, and there's a little Greek wordplay here, they're hiding their face in order to make it seen, calling attention to themselves. And so Jesus says, don't be like them. And, and right, when you're, when you're working hard at earning religious points, you want everybody to know it. 
And so mess up your face. Don't comb your hair that day. This kind of what is going on. And so when they walk by on the street, you're like, ah, he's fasting or she's fasting. And, and he looks sad. You know, he's, you hear the stomach growling and that sort of thing. Um, but you're drawing attention to yourself is what Jesus is saying. He says, don't do that. Right, what's the purpose for this? The purpose is to be seen. They're fasting to be seen by others. They disfigure their faces so that they can be seen by others. And Jesus says, don't do that. If you, if you do that, you miss the reward. I don't want you missing the reward. The prize that they are seeking is the praise of their peers. They want people to say, wow, what a holy guy or what a righteous person fasting all the time. Every Tuesday and Friday, he's got messed up hair and a dirty face. I, I know what he's doing. He's fasting. Jesus says, don't, because you will miss the heavenly reward from your heavenly father. Don't do things outwardly to demonstrate or get attention to your peers, but rather realize who you're serving. This is, what we're talking about is an intimate relationship with God. How does, that's what the Father rewards, not an outward show of righteousness. God is not impressed with those kind of things. So we who see this, we might think, man, Roger is really holy. He's, he's, oh, it's a beard. It's not dirt on his face. It's a, we might think, he's holy. And Jesus is saying, no, he's a hypocrite. He's just trying to impress you. He, he wants you to think well of him. And Jesus is saying, that's, that's not true righteousness. You miss the reward of the Father if you do that. So how should we fast? Verse 17 and 18. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And we can make the same observations. What's the presentation Jesus says, don't mess up your hair and, and dirty your face. Comb your hair. Clean up. Wash your face. Make it clean. Anoint your head. Use some shampoo. Don't put dirt on your, on your head. Look normal. Look like you're not fasting. God sees. We don't know if our stomachs are empty, unless we can hear the stomach growling. No, I, no humans can't see that. I can't see what's happening in your relationship between you and God. But God sees it. So practice your religion between you and him. Live so as to please God, not to please people around you. Don't live that kind of false religious life because that's hypocritical is what he's saying. The prize is to please your father in heaven, not to impress the people around you. And you, know, you can't help but again ask the question, at least if you're me, okay, if, what's the reward? How does God the father reward you? We looked at this a, a few times ago, um, a few weeks ago. But yet, if, if the praise of people is what Jesus is inviting you to avoid and not live your life in that way, then I think the converse would say it's the praise of the Father is the right way to live. To live to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, enter into the joy of your master. So living to please him, the, the reward is not explicitly listed, but it's pleasing God the Father. That is the reward. And so uh, one final, or one observation here, um, fasting is assumed. Jesus does not say if you fast. He says when you fast. 
So it's the assumption that Jesus is operating on that his disciples are going to be fasting when you fast. And so my question, uh, should we do that today? Is, is this a practice that we Christians today should embrace? Should we fast? We do occasionally at this church. We have particular seasons in which we've invited people to join us in praying or fasting for something, but what's the biblical foundation for that? And I would, I would say there's at least four reasons for why we should fast. Uh, first of all, when, um, in, when Jesus talks about fasting, he always assumes it. For example, in Matthew uh, 9, 15, which John Piper says is the most important teaching on fasting in the Bible, Jesus says this in Matthew 9, 15. Uh, the situation is the disciples of John the Baptist have come to Jesus and they've asked him a question and they have said, uh, Jesus, so we fast and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast. Why? Why don't you guys fast? And Jesus, this is Jesus' response. He says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away and then they will fast. So again, we see Jesus, he's the bridegroom in this story. He sees himself as a bridegroom and he says, he's effectively saying, I'm here. I, I'm with them. So they're not going to be fasting. And mourning is connected. There's no mourning. I'm, I'm here with them. They are enjoying my company. It's a time to rejoice. It's not a time to mourn. It's not a time to fast. But there will come a day when I will be taken away. And I think he's pointing to his ascension into heaven. He says, when I'm gone, then they will fast. It is a certainty that after Jesus ascends to heaven, he is here saying, after I'm gone, then my disciples will fast. So my assumption is clearly that because Jesus assumes his disciples will fast, we ought to fast today. He's still there. We're not with him in fullness of physical pressure. We're, we're, we, yes, we enjoy his spirit, but would anyone yearn to sit and have a cup of tea this afternoon with Jesus? I, I, I would indeed in a heartbeat. And so that yearning, because he's, he's not here physically, he is in heaven, but yet, can we be with him? That, that's an expression of the yearning of the heart. And because of that is, is where Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, then we, yes, we fast. We should fast in order to express that yearning and that longing. Secondly, second reason I believe we should embrace fasting is because in the New Testament, fasting is portrayed in a very positive light. One of the examples that is held out for us is um, Anna, who was an elderly widow at 84 years old. She met baby Jesus. She was in the temple the day that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to, to be purified. And we are told that Anna, uh, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She's held up as an example. So uh, fasting is, is here's one instance of that being portrayed as something very positive. Uh, the third reason is that the early church embraced the practice of fasting, and we see it in the New Testament in several instances. Uh, for example, when Saul and Barnabas, Saul who later became Paul, were about to be sent out on their missionary journey, the church, uh, Acts chapter 13, fasted and prayed. They were in the middle of fasting and praying when the Holy Spirit said to the church, set apart Saul and Barnabas for me to the work to which I have called them. 
And then they fasted again on the day that they actually sent them out. So we see the early church practicing fasting. And when Saul and Barnabas left and went on their missionary journey and planted churches throughout Turkey and all of Asia, um, we find this, Acts chapter 14, uh, verse 23. When they had appointed, that being Saul and Barnabas, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. So when Paul and Barnabas planted churches they practiced prayer and fasting over the elders that they um, appointed in those churches. So fasting again is practiced. And then the fourth reason is because of extra biblical uh, documents that we have, primarily the Didache, which is the, the teaching of the 12 disciples. It's a collection of the application of a apostolic teaching of the early church. We find there um, and this is how we know that the Pharisees fasted on Mondays and Fridays. Um, the, uh, the instruction was, you Christians, you fast on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. In other words, you make, make sure that your fast is, is different from the fasting of the Pharisees. So the early church, in applying the teaching of, of the apostles, included fasting among those documents. So there's at least four reasons why I think we should embrace fasting in our lives. And so now the question, well, what is it? Okay, we're, we've talked about giving up food for spiritual purposes. Uh, we've seen some examples of how that gets applied. But I, I just stopped and asked myself, when I think about fasting, what's the point? What is the point? And I, I came up with three reasons, and maybe this will be helpful for you. is simply fast because things are not the way that they ought to be. Uh, I'm not the way that I ought to be. You are not the way that you ought to be. And then third Jesus is everything that we need him to be. Those are, those are three reasons to fast. So first of all, things are not the way that they ought to be. I don't think this needs a whole lot of explanation, but this world is broken and things grieve us. We experience loss. Uh, we see Moses, when he discovered that the, the children of Israel had built a calf and started worshiping it and offended the God who just set them free, he fasted. When, when he saw his people going into sin, he, he stopped eating. He lost his appetite. He was brokenhearted over the idolatry of his own people. We see this again and again. Mordecai and Esther, when they learned that there was a, a person who was trying to exterminate their people, they fasted. They lost their appetite. They gave up food in order to pray earnestly before the Lord. Uh, Nehemiah fasted when he learned of the destruction of, of Jerusalem. David fasted when he heard that Jonathan, his best friend, and Saul, King Saul, had been killed in battle. He, he fasted. He didn't eat. He was mourning. Right? We, when David lost his little child, or when that little baby was about to die, David fasted. He stopped eating. He couldn't go to food because he was worried about his little child. Job, when he lost 10 children in one day and his job and his 401k, he fasted. He, he went to the Lord on his face and fasted. Things are broken in this world. It is a right response to the sin in this world to say, I, I can't eat. I, I don't want to eat. I just, I, I need you, Lord. I need to be with you. That's the first reason. Secondly, I'm not the way I ought to be. I, uh, 
one of the reasons to keep fasting is because you still are aware of the sanctification that needs to happen in your own life. And I think every honest person in this room could say, is there anything about you that needs to be changed? Is there anything in your heart that you find sin present in a way that grieves you? I mean, do you, do you sometimes say things? You know, as, as my pastor growing up, he said, you never know what's in a bucket until it's bumped. And then whatever pops out, that's really what's there. When, you, when your life gets surprised and something pops out of your mouth, does something pop out of your mouth sometimes just embarrasses you? It makes you sad for, what am I saying? Right, it, that reveals there's still a little muck in our hearts that need to be changed. And here we see that it is right to respond in fasting for personal sin. It's right to give up food in order to ask the Lord, will you, will you set me free of this? Would you cleanse me? Would you purify me? Right? And Martin Lloyd-Jones is helpful here because I, as so far I have only been mentioning fasting food. But the principle can easily be applied beyond this. And Lloyd-Jones says this, to make the matter complete, we would add that fasting, if we conceive of it truly, must not only be confined to the question of food and drink. Fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some spiritual purpose. There are many bodily functions which are right and normal and perfectly legitimate, but which for special peculiar reasons and in certain circumstances should be controlled, and that is fasting. So I, I was reminded of a man who recently told me, we're talking about what are the impediments to a closeness and sense of intimacy in your relationship with the Lord? And he said, sports radio, talk radio. It's just, I listen to it on the day, on my you know, commute to work back and forth. I got about 40 minutes in the car. I, I just listen to talk radio. And it's just, I, I could probably use that time better. And he said, I'm gonna fast sports radio and, and talk radio. And I'm gonna listen to scripture on my way to work and focus my mind on God's word. And so he, he did that and it massively changed his life. All right, so sometimes getting things out of your life, fasting, whatever it is, what's, what's your sports radio, right? What, what's your talk radio? What, what is it that takes your heart away from, from intimacy with the Lord? Fast it. Get, get rid of it for a season. Not forever, but try it for a particular period to see if that doesn't foster growth in, in your own soul and your spiritual life. Uh, sometimes that is wonderfully good. So fasting for the purpose of spiritual transformation, for repentance of sin, is right and appropriate. And then lastly, fasting because Jesus is all I need him to be. I think this really gets at the heart. Fasting is a, a, a sense of physical denial for the intensification of a spiritual love for Jesus. It's denying the body the thing that we need most to remind our souls, I actually need Jesus more than I need food. Right? This, we see this in the Old Testament. We do not live by bread alone, says Moses, but we live by the word of God every word that proceeds from his mouth. Our greatest need, your and my greatest need, it's not lunch, which we're gonna have as soon as the service is over, by the way. That's not your greatest need. When Jesus 
saw a man who was paralyzed being dropped from the roof down in front of him. Do you know what he said to him? He said, your sins are forgiven. Like, I don't care about my sins. My legs are the problem. And Jesus says, you got it wrong. Your sin is your greatest problem. Legs are nothing. If, if, you're, if you're separated from God and you're cut off from him because of your sin, that's your major problem. You, you need your sins dealt with. And so Jesus says to him, I forgive your sins, dear brother. That is our greatest need. What, what does that remind us? It focuses our attention on Jesus. He's the only one who's paid for sin. No other religion on the planet has a savior who entered into your mess and my mess and suffered through it, knowing everything and gave up his life in order to save you. Jesus alone did that. And he alone can give you life. So fasting is a reminder. Man, I I really want lunch. But what I know I need more than lunch is my Lord Jesus. Fasting will remind you of that. It reminds you that Jesus is the source of our lives. And sometimes it takes us afflicting ourselves just a little bit to focus our attention. And in the Old Testament, that's often how this word that we, we point to is fasting. It's afflict yourself. If you're reading through the Old Testament, you see anything that says, at this holy ceremony, you are to afflict yourselves. It means fast. It means go without food in order to focus your attention on the Lord. So when Jesus says to his disciples, don't, don't fast to impress people. Don't tear your clothes and mess up your hair and, you know, all this stuff. And so people will think well of you. He says, this is between you and God. And, and that's really the essence of Christianity. Christianity is not a set of rules to observe that automatically and mechanically connects you to God. Christianity is about understanding that Jesus purchased the right by his death to pour his spirit into you to give you a living and vital connection with the God who created you. A a real connection to experience the Lord. That's what we need most. Every one of you in this room, you need to be connected to God. And the only way to do that is through Jesus, by receiving his spirit, of confessing your sins, repenting of your sins, and then saying, give me salvation, give me life, forgive me of my sins, transform me, change me, make me a new person. I I want to live like you, Jesus. That's the cry of the heart of, of every one of us who want to be his children. So fasting, I want to invite you. Give up lunch sometime this week. Go for a walk. Don't tell anybody. Don't invite yourself to lunch with four coworkers. I'm not eating today. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting. Go for a walk. Talk to Jesus. But I want to invite you to consider somehow putting this in practice this week. Right? Christianity, it's not a Sunday religion. <laughs> it's an everyday relationship. And so it, put this into practice this week. And, and what do you do when I fast? Typically, if I'm giving up meal, I'm an embracing reading scripture or listening to scripture or somehow focusing my attention on the Lord. So if something gets removed from your life, in this case, we'll talk about food or sports radio, whatever it is, if you're going to remove something, then what are you going to replace it with? Move into a place of getting closer to the Lord 
And for me, that's like getting my nose into God's word. Nothing blesses me more than being in God's word. Nothing supplies food for my soul more than being in God's word. So I invite you, if you're a child of God, this is, this is not earning points with God either. Don't think of this as, oh, he'll really answer my prayers now if I fast, you know, a couple days this week. He'll answer my prayers. Don't think of it that way. This is, what is going on within me? Do I yearn to be with Jesus? Right, if you're grieved over your own sin, go to the Lord. Focus your soul and your mind on him and say, Lord Jesus, help me. Help me. Draw me closer to you. That's the point. The point of fasting is to draw closer to the Lord in a more intimate way. So you deny yourself the things that distract you in order to focus your attention on the Lord Jesus. That's what fasting is. Drawing near to him in friendship and fellowship and intimately sweet communion. And that is possible through the Lord Jesus. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to atone for the sins of every person on this planet who would trust in you. And Lord Jesus, I pray every person listening to my voice would wholeheartedly put their faith in you. And Lord, we want to be obedient to your teaching and we see you expect that your disciples will fast. And so Lord, I ask you, please help us to do this in a right way and medical reasons to think about and all sorts of things. But help us, Lord Jesus, to draw closer to you. Please pour out your spirit to give us a hunger and a thirst for you. Please forgive us for giving our attention to news and movies and entertainment and Facebook and Instagram and every other thing under the sun which pulls our minds away from you. But let us this week take active measures to intentionally seek you, to sit with you and to pray with you. And Father, I ask if there's anybody listening to my voice who does not yet know that they have your spirit dwelling within them, let today be the day when they confess their sins and believe that you actually did die, that you actually did rise again, that you truly are resurrected and reigning at this very moment. And Lord, I pray you give all of us the faith to believe. You hear every word I'm saying. We are living our lives before you. You are not a distant observer. You are watching and you are with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And I pray, Lord, let us embrace fasting on our own, just between you and us, in such a way that we can draw nearer to you. And I pray, Lord, let us, let us know the sweetness of drawing near to you. And it is in your sweet and wonderful and powerful name I pray, Jesus. Amen. This morning.